He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you today. And we're going to be efficient today, guys. We're going to talk match play. We're going to talk a couple other things because we're going to end up having three shows this week. We got a very special guest coming on later in the week, and you guys are not going to want to miss it. But today is the day to preview the Dell Technologies match play down in Austin, and we have our pools. Uh, yesterday, the fields were obviously set, but we wanted to wait and talk about it when the pools came out and, and the pods came out and the full bracket. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about equipment changes with Rory and then Later in the week, we'll have an interview with a very special guest that you are not going to want to miss. So definitely make sure to hit that subscribe button or the follow button on Apple Podcasts, and it will notify you when we end up dropping that episode later in the week, guys. But it's match play week, and guys, I hope my bracket goes a little better for the Dell Technologies than it did for the NCAA basketball tournament because I literally think it would be better for me to burn that bracket than keep looking at it, T-Dub. How do you like the pools and how do you like the pods? Are they pools or pods? I don't know. Uh, I don't really think it makes a difference. But T-Dub, to me, I think the biggest change that I see this year in the match play, ever, and this is really the first match play that we've had since Live. I know last year was early uh, that that Liv was kind of getting rolling, but this is really the first one. And T-Dub, the main thing that I see is there's less groups of death. There's kind of, I don't know, it's hard to say that there's two guys that are absolute stars in the same pod. I don't see it. And so honestly, it makes this tournament a little more exciting considering every single pod has one star and then three guys that could beat that star t-dub well it just shows the uh the dispersion and and just how great that all these players are nowadays at the end of the day and and to what you were saying earlier i completely agree i don't think there's any way that your bracket could be any worse than mine so i mean it's been absolute march who was your final four t-dub Let's see, I had I had Purdue, so that was a great pick. pick. Um, I had uh, Gonzaga, <laughs> then I have Houston and Bama. So a little oh, bit, you but yeah, that Purdue out of pick four. You good. got more than me. I got I had uh, I had Alabama, Houston, Marquette, and Kansas. So you got three out of four. I only got two out of four. Well, whenever also when you go like thirty percent on like the twelve fives and the six elevens, you know the flip a coin games, and you're yep. just atrociously bad at that. It'll set you back a little bit, but, uh, you know, it, it just adds on to the, to the feel of this tournament, though. I already filled out a bracket for that, and hopefully we learn from our mistakes, Sam, and we can translate it into this, and we'll break down our brackets here in a little bit. But but one thing I want to mention uh, while we're just getting on the topic is that this is going to be the last year uh, of this tournament. Not only is it going to be the last uh, WGC event that the PGA Tour has more than likely, but it's going to be the last match play tournament that they have until they add a, a new one on it. So, I mean, Woody, it seems like that we kind of need a relish in this this type of format because who knows when we'll have another match play tournament on the PGA Tour. That is a fact. Um, you know, I'm, 
I like this event. It's fun to watch this event because you never know what's going to happen. And the only other time we actually see match play is in uh, Ryder Cups and President's Cups. So it is kind of fun to watch it. Um, I've never been a fan of this golf course. I don't know about you guys. I've, I've watched it a number of years, and I've, you know, I don't know. I just, maybe it's because I just don't like Texas. Hey, I'm with you on that, Woody. I'm with you on that. I just don't like that city. I hate that city of Austin. (laughs) Me too. uh, too. I will say, one thing about the course, one thing about the course, Woody, is it does bring bombers and a guy like a Kevin Kisner who won here in the past into the golf tournament. That's what you need at a match play course. Oh, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you guys there. I just, I'm just telling you my personal opinion. It, it, it's not from a professional standpoint. It's probably a great golf course for it, but personally, I just don't like the city. Hey, keep Austin weird. It's not hard to do, right, T-Dub? No, not at all. And I mean, I've actually never been there. I've heard Austin's a really great town, but there's going to be way too many damn Longhorns down there for me to, to have a good time. So <laughs> I, I, I'll stay a little bit further north if I had my choice. No doubt about it, guys. You mentioned, obviously, that this is the last year of the Dell Technologies match play, but we did have a change here a a few years ago where they went from the regular 64-man bracket to the pod system where you have groups kind of like the World Cup where, for instance, in this first group, Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim, Alex Noren, Davis Riley, everybody will play everybody, and then the guy with the best record at the end of it after the three matches will end up advancing into the actual round of 16 guys. And so do you like this format or do you not like this format in the world cup? It confuses me because I don't know what the heck's going on in soccer, but in golf, I love this format because we get to see more golf. And if a guy like a Scotty Scheffler does lose his first match, we get to see him again. And so I, I actually really like this format t-dub i'm a fan of it as well when it first happened i wasn't necessarily a fan of it, but over the years i've grown more accustomed to it one of the reasons they made the change was because players just wouldn't come and play i mean like you mentioned let's say scotty scheffler has a, a bad first match he might play 13 holes and leave the tournament i mean who shows up does all this travel all the practice rounds to play 13 holes of a tournament and leave i mean it seems uh, it could be a little ridiculous sometimes but but one thing i don't like about this and i would like woody's opinion on, on this in particular is that for the entire history of this tournament, and I get why they do it, it adds excitement to it, but it, it, let's say, for example, you have two players at the end of, of the group match, and they tie, like, for example, they're two and one. It, instead of giving it to the, the to the player who beat that person in the original match, they go to a one-hole one playoff, playoff have, uh, to see who... I mean, it adds excitement, Woody, but does it make any damn sense that if you have two guys and one guy beat the, a guy that either that day or maybe the day before, that, that you would let him move on? Well, see, what you're doing here is you're being like practical and common sense again there, <laughs> T-Dub. Every time, you, every time you use common sense, we're finding that it doesn't work with the other people that run events. So, yeah, all sense in the world, what you just said is very true. If you've beaten the guy that you're tied with, you should, you should be the one to advance. But it doesn't add for good TV. And so good TV is a one-hole playoff, and somebody gets kind of hosed, and down the road they go. But – at least they're not doing it after 13 holes, like you were saying, Sam and, and T-Dub. I agree that, you know what, even a perfect scenario is not perfect. We can shoot holes in a lot of things. So it, it, it 
it's, they've done a really as good a job as they can do looking at these brackets and pods as we call them. It, it, it gives you such a great variation on both sides to, to where we get to the finals and semifinals. Uh, we got really class individual types of great world-class golfers here. So it'll be cool to see who comes out of there. I like, I like what Sam, Sam actually sent me his last night where he has the names and that's fun to look at it, see what he's thinking and what's going to happen. I, I look forward to hearing what you got to offer with your team. Hey, it's a crapshoot though, but I will say I kind of like the one hole playoff. It adds an excitement factor to the first couple days, right? And so I, I kind of like that. It, By the way, it is starting on Wednesday this week and headed through Sunday. So we're starting a day earlier. And ESPN on their AP story got the dates wrong. They said it ends on Saturday. No, it ends on Sunday. It's a five-day tournament in the Dell Technologies match play. Woody, before we get started, I was going to ask you, do you have any match play stories for us or uh, maybe a story of playing in a tournament similar to this? You know, I never played. When I was a, a professional, I never played any match play type event. Oh, well, I, I take that back. I played some club pro type of stuff. Um, probably my favorite match play that I ever had, well, there was two of them. One when I won the state amateur, where that was match play at that time. And it, it, it was really pretty cool that anytime you win your, your state amateur championship, it's good. But Where'd you win that at, Woody? I, I won it at the Green. Believe wow. it or not, the Golfing Country Club beat Jeff McMillan. In, That's uh, awesome. In in the finals, so but my favorite match play, believe it or not, I got to play L.A. North where they're having the U.S. Open this year, and that's when I became such a fan of Los Angeles Country Club. Was that, that LA the USAM? North, no, actually, this was when I was a section. This was okay. a club pro when I was a club pro in California. And that's where our section championship was, which enabled me by winning at that tournament is what got me in the PGA events where I met Herman Mitchell. And, you know, God works in mysterious ways, boys. I'll tell you this. And uh, that on that given day, that was pretty cool because I was able to win uh, that match play championship at L.A. North. And uh, the reason why I loved it is because we got to play like five days in a row at L.A. North which nobody gets to play that much golf there. So that's, that's my fondest memories. It's not a great story but for anybody but Woody. But it, it, was, it, it meant the world to me to get to play such a phenomenal golf course and to win at match play. I was always a plotter at match play, guys. And I, 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 I would watch my opponent, but I would try desperately never to give my opponent a hole, meaning I would never make – a double or triple or do something really stupid. I would make my opponent beat me. And everybody always says about match play, well, the great thing about match play, you make a 10 on a hole and it doesn't matter. Well, in my psyche, it did. <laughs> I didn't like yep. making 10. I, I, I wanted to go out and try to shoot five or six under. And I felt like if I did, no matter who I was playing, I would just wear them down and end up winning. So, uh, everybody's got different thoughts about match play. You guys might have totally different than that, but that's what I was. I was a plotter. I just tried not to make any mistakes. Well, number one, Woody, I think the reason why you liked LA Country Club for five straight rounds was you got to spend five days that close to the Playboy Mansion, and so don't 
kid the people out there. <laughs> then number two, uh, that leads perfectly into the question that I was going to ask T-Dub. Who, what type of golfer do you like this week, and are you going more based off how the course fits these guys? But I feel like you know we've had shorter hitters win. We've had longer hitters win. The one thing I do like to have in match play is really two things, and I know this is fairly broad, but at the same time, you have to have it. You have to have a great iron player, and you have to have a great putter because you're going to have to make clutch putts, and if you keep putting it within 10 feet, eventually your playing competitor is going to make mistakes, and that was one thing my dad told me when I was younger about match play. And obviously he wasn't a professional golfer, but he watched a lot of match play and he could understand this, that you got to treat match play like ping pong. You have to let them make the mistakes. And Woody hit the nail on the head with that, uh, T-Dub. What what are some of your thoughts on match play and who might, you know, you be going with this week as far as what type of player you like? We talk all the time, right, about how hard it is to pick winners on, on just a regular PJ Tour stroke play event. Match play magnifies that by about 80,000. I mean, just the amount of variables that could be at play or just make it so much even more more of a crapshoot, as you were alluding to, that, that anyone can really, any of these 64 players at the end of the day, if they get hot for a week, even more so compared to a stroke play event, they could come out and win it. I mean, you could get through the your pool play shooting even par, and you could have guys who shoot 12 under in the first three rounds not get through just because of the guy they're going against. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of luck that goes into it. In that aspect, I think whenever you talk about who excels well in match play, I think a lot of it has to do with demeanor. I mean, that's why guys like Ian Poulter, Patrick Reed, um, even you know all those guys have been able to to be good in PJ Tour because they have a a mindset of not necessarily the best stroke play players, but for whatever reason they're good putters. They get up and down a lot. They they and it's one of the things that's really hard in match play is that you can get caught up playing the player a lot of times, which there are situations where you need to do that. But a lot of times I feel like it's best to just just still play your own game. And maybe if you're two down, dormy two or something like that, then yes, you need to adapt your strategy a little bit. Or if your guy hooks it over in the water, you might take an iron out, stuff like that. So there's a little bit of that. But I feel like sometimes you can get a little bit too cautious playing for middle of greens because you think a guy may be out of position and he gets up and down from a great spot. All of a sudden you try to hit it 30 feet and you three putt and you can lose the hole. So I feel like that there's a, a lot of that going on. Um, so I, I don't know, Woody. I feel like that uh, that the, the demeanor and really just the mindset of going into match play is really the most – is one of the biggest things of it. But that's one of the things that makes it so hard for us trying to predict it is we can't really see that's not really a tangible asset. I think that the another thing we got to put into this kind of perspective is a guy like Jordan Spieth would drive you crazy in match play because just by the time you think he's out of the hole, he puts some miracle out of his fanny. No so. Doubt. I think it's a mind game. It really is. It's, I'll tell you what, guys, it's difficult to play this many rounds of golf head-to-head against somebody. These guys are going to be tired. I'm sure they're going to take the week off. One little tidbit for Sam, he is exactly right. The Playboy Mansion sits on the 14th tee. And, but the problem is I've never seen anything so well guarded. I couldn't see a darn thing. I would have needed a drone. I would have had to do it. I climbed up on top of my golf cart. I tried to peek through the fence. I took wire cutters. I did everything I could to get in there. And I'm telling you, boys, that's a compound. You weren't getting into that time gun. But Sam absolutely nailed me. You're spot on. And one of the things I did is a couple of times I won my match before I got to the 14th tee. I just went ahead and drove back there just to see if anybody was going to invite me in, and they never 
did. I'm there weak and never got invited in. I can't and I won the dadgum tournament. I can't believe with that beautiful mullet that no one invited you in, Woody. Oh, man, I was a stud. And they just, I, I would have made the party and they never invited me in. Never once. It's their okay. mistake, Woody. Their loss. It's, just, <laughs> it's another letdown in my life, but it was a small letdown. Oh, no doubt about it. I do want to share one quick match play relevant story right now. I was in the finals of the Oklahoma State Junior match play, and I was playing Taylor Moore back in the day. And this was wow. at Fairfax, and now it's Golf Club of Edmond. And I won the first two holes. And I was 12, he was 14. It was the 12 to 14 age group. And and this was supposed to be a blowout from the start. Like, I was good, but, I mean, he was the best at 14. And I was close to the best at 12. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, he was supposed to blow me out. And I won the first two holes. And basically, I'm crapping my pants at the time. And he ends up winning six and four, guys. I won the first two holes, and he won six and four. So that's the story. Quick story, but T-Dub, I'm sure you have a Taylor Moore story like that. Oh, I, oh, I absolutely have a Taylor Moore story. I mean, my downfall came at the uh, OJGT Tour Championship. I told this story on the radio show, but I had a two-shot lead with two holes to play over him and Charlie Saxton, I believe, was right around there as well. And uh, on the 17th hole, Taylor Moore made about this 50-footer for birdie on me, and I ended up uh, three-putting. He gave this huge old fist pump, and all of a sudden we're tied. And, and then comes down, he makes a, a good – the 18th hole there was pretty tough. He made a, a good par, and I ended up missing like a five-footer for par as well. So two up and two to play was not good enough for me to beat Taylor Moore. But what's crazy is the probably the craziest match play story that ever happened to me happened in my very first match of all time. The same tournament you're talking about, Sam, not at Fairfax, but the uh, OGA uh, State Junior match play. It was at Rose Creek that year, my very first match. I can't remember the kid's name I was playing. But we're on the 15th hole. I'm, I'm three up at, at that point. And this guy, he's over. He made a double, he, and he made a bogey. And I have about a four-footer for part straight up hill. It's well outside the gimme range. And he, he says, hey, that's good. Pick it up. And I'm like, okay, I'll pick it up. That means I won the match because I won four and three. So I take off my hat to go shake his hand. He's like, what's going on? It's like, well, I just won. And he's sitting there, and he's counting back. He's like, oh, shit, I didn't know that was for the match. Oh, man. And, and it, it, turned, it turned into a situation where it was like the exact opposite of what you'd think. It'd be like, man, I'll go back and putt it, dude. I mean, it's my first match. I'm like 12 years old. I'm trying to be like, dude, I feel bad for you. You gave it to me. I'll go back and putt it. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not allowed, man. I, I just effed up. So, you know, he shook your hand and all that. But, yeah, that's still the craziest thing that ever happened to me in match play. Happened my very first tournament. That's a great, that's a great story, Tito. I, I mean, I got to tell – I got to tell the the end of my story that I just thought about. I just realized I'm playing. I was playing the guy at the time, uh, Taylor Moore, the, whose name is on that golf tournament now. That is the tournament that he now sponsors. Uh, so wow. yeah, maybe if I would have beat him, <laughs> things would have turned out different. I don't think so. I think things are going pretty pretty well for our man T Moore. Um, but it does lead me to a question that I have, Woody. And obviously, that was not one of these situations of what I'm about to ask, but I do remember like a match that I had in a final with Brendan Jelly, and I kept out driving him, but he kept hitting first into the greens and putting the pressure on me. I think there's something to that, Woody, where a shorter hitter is able to put the pressure on the longer hitter throughout the round. Uh, and, and I think at certain times, guys might want to, you know, lay back of the shorter hitter and maybe put some pressure on them. It, it's a great analogy. And, and, and it still comes down to, Sam, yeah, the shorter hitter 
can put the pressure, but he also can take it off if he hasn't hit a bad one. So the greatest thing about match play is it's so much mano a mano. It it is it is more. I think it's more nerve wracking than playing a seventy two hole event. I couldn't agree more because each hole is is so dynamic and it it, you know it, it can ebb and flow so quickly. And there's so many shots in a 72 hole event that you just hit and you go, yeah, that was okay. Go up and two putt or whatever. But in a match play, having to hit the right shot at the right time, I don't know. I, I love match play, but I hate match play. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I love watching it, but I don't like playing it. How about that? No doubt about it. And T-Dub, I mean, I hate to keep telling stories about myself, but I played in a tournament at the Patriots. Same. All right, this was actually the the stadium, the not the junior stadium, but the stadium. And I won nine and eight in the first round, and then lost nine and eight to Quade Cummins later that afternoon. T Dub, I wasn't consistent enough to win one of these match play events. Now, who is playing consistent? leading up to the Dell Technologies match play, because I think that's a big deal to be able to have that consistency in all parts of your game to help put pressure on your playing competitor. Yeah, it's very similar to what happens in the, in the late rounds of a, uh, of a, of a, a Sunday tour event where it, your weaknesses will get exposed in match play. Sometimes you can get away with it because if you shoot one over and the guy you're playing against shoots two over, then you can get away with it. In other situations, you can shoot five under, but the other guy you're playing shoots six under and you lose. I mean, I've seen that happen numerous times in this tournament, so that's why what makes it even a little bit harder to prognosticate you know, what's going to happen. And, you know, alluding to what you guys were talking about earlier with just the different strategies, I remember reading in, in one of Tiger's books that in 96, his very first win was at the uh, Las Vegas Invitational, and he was in a playoff with Davis Love third, And he said specifically that he had a three-wood off of that tee box, off the playoff hole, to make sure that he was able to hit first into the green to be able to put pressure on Davis Love, where other times he would have just hit driver way down there, but he wanted to make sure that he was able to apply the pressure. So there's a lot of different ways you can go about it, and there's different mind games that can be played. You have the old semi ball of stereo. You're not going to see this this week. You see it more in the Ryder Cup. But, uh, you know, like jingling the change in your pocket, bending down uh, when someone's about to make their swing. I mean, you have all kinds of different things like that to get in the player's head, which is stuff, like you said, you wouldn't do in match play. But you didn't match play, and it's uh, it adds for just a, such a unique format. And it is a uh, it's kind of a damn shame that this is going to be the last time that we see it for a while. Oh, I was I was just thinking of all your guys' stories. Those are <laughs> I love it because when you really stop and think about golf, how far your brain can, can think back at some of the most unbelievable shots and some of the biggest mistakes you make. <laughs> I think that once you look at this event, it is going to be sad, guys, when it's over. It. it I hate it, and I hope the PGA Tour comes up with some other type of format like this because from an excitement standpoint, I think it's going to be – I think you're going to miss seeing this. That's all I'm going to say. I, I hate it. I hate it when we take away a tradition and then we try to put fill in something else because sometimes it doesn't work. We're going to miss this golf tournament. That's, that's what I believe. Guys, I, I completely agree, and I think that there needs to be more match play – integrated into all levels of golf. And I saw something interesting that they had a match play tournament in high school now. And I'm trying to find which school actually held the event. Um, This was Norman North. So Norman North, 
they had a stroke play portion to the tournament, and then they had a match play portion. That's something we never had in high school, and obviously we see and we talked to Ryan Hibble about it on the college level that there's more match play being played in the regular season because that's how they determine the national championship. Thank you to Mike Holder. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching match play. I don't know how you couldn't. Now, the reason why you don't see it more often is because the players don't necessarily like it, and it's not necessarily the best way to determine the best player that week, but boy, is it entertaining to watch, T-Dub. Well, another re- it's absolutely entertaining. One of the reasons, too, that, that the players don't like it is, let's say you make it to the finals. You have to play seven rounds of golf to, to, to get to that point. That's a lot of competition. One of the reasons why if Tiger was eligible for this tournament, I don't think there's any way that he would have uh, been able to play it just for that reason and I feel like one of the reasons that this format change going back to the pools is better because what it was the main one of the main reasons that the PJ Tour said they're going to these no-cut events is to make sure that the guys could play on the weekend well if you do this format you get guys there for three days I mean that's a decent amount of time to be there and I mean if you wanted to get to, to a point to where you you did that for a match play format all you would have to do is let's say you had 64 players and you wanted them to play the, the four or five days however long you want to do it you could have some type of Swiss format to where you could break it up to where, like, even the guys who went 0-2 or whatever, they still play someone, and they're still playing more matches that day. You don't necessarily have to send them home uh, just because they kept losing. So I feel like there's ways that you could get around that and, and make a difference. Woody's spot on. They're just going to have to add another event like this somewhere down the road within the next couple of years because, uh, I mean, like you said, they've added it into the high school format, which I think is absolutely awesome. Never even thought of that as a possibility. Uh, whenever I, I was playing high school golf, they've obviously added it to college golf with national tournaments. So now I feel like that you're, they've kind of taken it away from the PGA Tour. I remember 10 or 15 years ago, there was another big uh, match play tournament over in the, at the, on the DP European World Tour. And now I don't even, if that tournament does go on, I don't really think about it as much as I used to. And now the match play is going away. I feel like two match play events a year would, would be perfect for PGA Tour. And now we're going down uh, to zero. And I think that's, uh, that's a crime, honestly. It is that, and and like I said, with with them going to elevated events or in those those types of situations where they're talking about smaller fields, it can be done. I, I think I think you can do it pretty easily. They're going to just have to make it as one of their designated upper upper events and turn it into a just hey, just to put sixty four guys out instead of seventy eighty guys. Just put sixty four guys, top sixty four, and let them play. So there's got to be a way to do it, and and some sponsor will come along that wants to do it. It's it's too cool an event and uh look for the right golf course just keep it out austin and uh, we'll be good <laughs> no doubt about it guys let's dive into this tournament uh but before we do that t-dub some of the people in one and done pools might be wondering what's the payout for this event is it the same as a normal elevated event or is it a little bit lower this week it is the same payout you'll have uh yeah, the winner will get three point six million. It's a twenty million dollar purse. So you'll have situations like, uh, the, like the uh, the consolation match for third and fourth will be worth a lot of money. But everyone who like just misses out of that, who finishes, uh, makes it to the lead eight, and doesn't make it, they'll finish T five. All the guys that make it to the sweet sixteen and don't make it on will finish T nine. And then everyone else will be based on how they do in their pool. Not everyone who doesn't make it won't finish the exact same. So a guy who finishes two and one and misses will will get more money than the guy who finishes zero and three. But at the same time, as we were talking about earlier, it's a major crapshoot. So it's a, it's a very risky endeavor to try to throw out extremely big names. But at the same time, you want to throw out someone extremely small. Uh, good luck with them trying to move extremely far against these big names. Now, my strategy in the one and done 
is different than me just filling out my bracket. Some people might have seen my bracket on Twitter and thought, well, that means that I'm going with that guy that I picked to win in the one and done. No, I in the one and done, I will go with one of these guys that I feel like has a really good chance to advance from their pool, right? So it, it, I think that you don't necessarily want to go with some underdog in your one and done pool because if he doesn't get out of his pool, you were cooked for that week, right, T-Dub? Yes, and and at the same time, let's say you want to try to run out, run John Rom or Scotty Scheffler. Well, they they may not make it out of their pool. Yeah, they yeah. may be put in a, in a in a situation where they could they could play pretty well and just lose one match, go two and one, and have to play the guy that they beat nine and eight the match before, and then all of a sudden they lose the first playoff hole, and then they're not able to move on. So that's there's there's a lot of risky endeavors in it all, but. It's sort of like rolling the dice on the craps table. I mean, if you if you hit it just right, you're going to pay extremely well. And uh, the odds of you, the odds of you, if you have a good week this week in the one and done format, you're going to move way up in your pool. So it's uh, it's a pretty big week because you're going to have a lot of guys who run out big names who don't move on, and then they're going to move down, and then they're going to cost themselves in the future for running out such a good player. So what I want to do here is I will read off the pod. You guys give me a winner, and T Dub also pull up that. Uh, awesome thing that we saw from what was his name on Twitter that tweeted out all the match play records. Uh, his, his name is Ron Kloss, and his uh, uh, Twitter handle is PGA Splits One Hundred One. Yeah, that was big time because that's tough to find, and and he clearly uh, did a lot of research here on these guys' match play records. And so uh, I will ask you for that pool's match play records and then give uh, the people your winner, and then Woody will give the winner of that pod as well. So in the first group, Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim, Alex Norin, and Davis Riley. Scotty Scheffler has a 7.3% chance to make it through that pod. I'm going, obviously, Scotty Scheffler. He's the biggest favorite to make it out of his own pod, T-Dub. Yeah, I don't know how you don't go with Scotty Scheffler at this point. I mean, Tom Kim hasn't been playing exceptionally well. Uh, Alex Dorn has, has a pretty good record at this course, so he may be someone to watch out for. But Scheffler has an 11-3-2 record in match play and then just came off winning the biggest tournament on the PJ Tour. So I, Woody, am going with Scotty Scheffler. There's no doubt about it. Really easy here, Scotty Scheffler next. Exactly, exactly. So group two is John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Keith Mitchell, and Ricky Fowler. This is one of the more interesting groups to me, considering how well Keith Mitchell has played. Ricky's kind of getting his game back, and Billy Horschel's always tough in match play, all matched up with, obviously, John Rahm. And John Rahm, analytically, has a 5.1% chance to make it through these pods. By the way, like, he has a 5.1% chance. Keith Mitchell is in second at 1.4%. Ricky Fowler is at 1.3%. And Billy Horschel is at 0.5%. Um, but, T-Dub, I'm going with John Rom. Yeah, I think you got to go with chalk at this rate. I mean, Billy Horschel might be the worst uh, two-seed in any group I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I don't think there's a prayer that he can get out of this one. He does, And he has a good record at this course, too. Won this tournament a couple years ago, but just with the recent form. There's just no chance. Thought about Keith Mitchell. He's been playing exceptionally well, but at the end of the day, I still think Ron will be there. And then everyone's going to look at Ricky Fowler, how well he's playing. He has not won a match uh, at Austin Cutchville. He has 0-1 and 2 record. That's a decent record in match play, 12-8-5. But Woody, yeah, I'm going with Ron. I think he's going to rebound from his sickness, and I think he's getting reared up and ready for Augusta. Kind of boring again, Rom. Next. 
<laughs> hey, and I do want to make a correction here. I was reading off their percent chance to win the golf tournament. John Rahm has a 40% chance to make it through his pod, and Scotty Scheffler has a 46% chance to make it through his pod. Now, Scotty Scheffler has a 7.3% chance to win the golf tournament. But on to group three, where we have Rory McIlroy, Keegan Bradley, Denny McCarthy, and Scott Stallings. Guys, Rory McIlroy has a 4.5% chance to win this golf tournament, but I am going with a guy who's sneakily been playing some great golf on the PGA Tour. Now, it's been inconsistent at times, but when he is on, he has a win at the Zozo. He has a second at the Farmers Insurance Open. He finished top 10 at Arnie's place. I am going with Keegan Bradley to knock off Rory McIlroy this week, T-Dub. Yeah, Keegan has been playing pretty well, but according to our old PJ Splits one-on-one chart, Keegan has a one twelve and six record in match play. That makes play. me I feel mean, good. Absolutely, and he's and he's coming off I, I, a sickness. So yeah, they're great picks, Sam. All right. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> it seems like he might be due. He might be able to turn it all around. One thing about this group, very sneakily, Denny McCarthy might be one of the last players you want to play in match play because he's not going to hit it extremely well, but he's going to make every single putt that he looks at. But I am going to go with the chalk again. Uh, going to go with Rory. Rumors that he has some equipment changes going on, saying he went down and played Augusta with some new clubs or something. I don't necessarily know the official what's going on there, but I think Rory is very similar to Rahm, as I mentioned earlier, getting reared up for Augusta. I think he's finally starting to put all the uh, all the spokesman stuff behind him to a certain extent and focus more on his game. So uh, I expect Rory to come out of this group as well, Woody. I think I think he hit the nail on the head there. Rory, Rory's got to get focused on golf. And this is a real good chance for him to get back thinking about golf. Uh, I really want to pick Bradley with Sam because I whiffed on him last week when he didn't play. But <laughs> I'm going to go with Rory. I'm going to say Rory out of this boat group. Tough to not go with Rory. And I do think he's due to have a really solid tournament here. Uh, I mean, in the near future, he's, he was playing too good at the start of the year. He's going to find something sooner rather than later. Group four is Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon, K.H. Lee, and Nick Taylor, guys. Patrick Cantlay has a 5.5% chance to win the golf tournament, and he is the favorite to come out of that pod. But I am going with an upset here. And you got to pick some upsets if you're filling out one of these brackets because none of the favorites always make it through, especially in this. this. There might be more upsets in the Dell Technologies match play than the NCAA basketball tournament. But I'm going with Brian Harmon for one reason, because he is the best putter out of that group, in my opinion. Give me Brian Harmon, and he's had some success here in the past making it out of his pod. I like Brian Harmon to take down Patrick Cantlay, T-Dub. I like the Brian Harmon pick as well. I mean, he's played this course pretty well. He finished uh, fifth back here in, in 2021, so I like that. K.H. Lee's been playing pretty good out of that group as well. Uh, Nick Taylor obviously played good at the Waste Management. But uh, once again, I'm going to go with the chalk, and I really don't think there's any way in hell that the four – I've gone with the number one seed in the first four pools. And, and Sam's exactly right. There's going to be so many more upsets in, in this format than there was in the uh, NCAA basketball pools, don't you? funny so I mean the odds of this not going the right way but I, I just still think Patrick Cantlay is the best player in that group has been playing pretty well recently 19th at the players fourth and third in his two events for that so going with the chalk woody probably not going to end up like that but uh, I'll start having some deviation at some point in this bracket maybe oh I think we all of us going to deviate some point in there I like how Sam's going out there early 
I, you know, Brian Harmon is pretty solid around this golf course, so he's a hard guy not to pick. So even though I like Cantley, I think Cantley's also gearing up. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Sam on this. I'm gonna go with Harmon wow. in this pod. I am going with Brian Harmon to get through this pod. Interesting. A little upset brewing possibly in group four. In group five, we have Max Homa, who is the fifth-ranked player in the world right now, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, Kevin Kisner, who's won here before, and Justin Suh, who's been playing some solid golf on the PGA Tour as well. Younger guy that could have some star capabilities here in the next few years, but this one is pretty obvious to me, guys. Max Homa has been playing probably the most consistently good golf on the PGA Tour. Uh, obviously, you know, got a win earlier this year. Uh, it, it, I know this tournament's not in California, guys, and I'm not picking him to win the golf tournament, but I do think he'll get out of that pool with Matsuyama, Kisner, and Justin Suh. He has a 40% chance to do so analytically. Yeah, that's the reason why I thought I had some deviation in my bracket that I kept looking up and I kept picking the favorites in each pool. So I was like, well, maybe I'm not right on this. But I know later on, I will have somebody. Yeah, I'm going with Max Homa again. I just feel like these, these top players are just playing so well that it's just going to be hard to knock them off for uh, for essentially three consecutive days. And uh, also a lot of guys in some of these pools. Kevin Kisner is an extreme veteran, but Justin uh, uh, has not played this event. Obviously, going back into the past, Hideki finished fifth down at the player, so he may be someone to watch out for. But Woody, I just feel like Homa is a force right now, and uh, I don't see anyone out of that group uh, beating him uh, consecutively for three days. I agree. I agree. Uh, Hideki, Hideki could do something there. Kisner just been playing so bad, guys. Uh, I just don't see him. So I'm going with Max Homa also out of that that, that group. We're going Homa in Group Five and Group Six. We have Xander Shoffley, Tom Hoagie, Aaron Wise, and Cam Davis. Xander has a 38.4 percent chance to make it through this pod. I would, I really wanted to pick Tom Hoagie, and I don't think it's a terrible pick if you do, just because last time we saw it, saw him tee it up. Uh, also, on Bermuda Greens, uh, he broke the course record at TPC Sawgrass and finished third at the Players. But, man, Xander Shoffley is just one of the most consistent guys on the PGA Tour. And the thing that I love about his game, guys, what did I say earlier? I said you want a guy that hits the irons well, and in four out of his last six events, he's gained over a shot and a half, strokes gained approach, and always gained shots on the greens. One of the best putters on the PGA Tour in match play. That's the type of guy I want. And he does have the minerals to kind of, you know, have that Mamba mentality down the stretch. Give me Xander Shoffley. I'm going with the favorite in that group. I think that's a good pick. That's who I'm going to go with as well, just in playing really well has not missed a cut going all the way back to the masters of last year was the last cut they must did withdraw from the century tournament of champions but but has just been playing so exceptionally well watch out for for maybe a cam davis finished sixth at, at the players maybe someone to watch out for tom hoagie i was going to pick him and then i remember i actually picked him in last year's one and death this tournament and he just played absolutely horrible did not win a match went oh two and one so i just could not stomach doing it maybe i just had him picked a year too early which would not shock me uh, one damn bit, Woody, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, Xander as well. Keep the chalk uh, riding strong. You know, the problem with these early ones that we're picking is, is the, the the guy to pick is so much stronger than the rest of them. It just seems like, how can you not do it? Yeah. I understand match play, and I understand lots can happen, 
But how can you not, when you look at those four guys, how do you not pick Xander? Come on, you got to go with the favorites. Now, as the Brad could move towards really a little more guys thrown in there, I'll see us change. But right now, Xander. Guys, let's go to group seven here. You have Will Zalatoris, Ryan Fox, Harris English, and Andrew Putnam. I am going with my favorite of this group. It's not the analytical favorite or the favorite in Vegas, but Ryan Fox hasn't missed a cut in his last seven tournaments. And, I mean, he has a tied for 11th. Uh, you know, on the DP World Series, he has a tie for 17th, a tie for 20th, and he finished tied for 14th and tied for 27th in his two starts at the Bay Hill and at Arnie's Place and then at the Players' Championship in the two PGA Tour tournaments that he's played in. And he rolls the rock. He's a great putter, uh, you know, as far as this year goes. Now, he went through a stretch last year where he was not putting very well from the Open Championship uh, to the Mallorca Golf Open uh, on the DP World Tour, which was about seven or eight events. But historically, he is a pretty good putter, um, and he has been putting really well lately. I like that. I'm going Ryan Fox, a guy that you're going to see in major championships, but he plays a lot of his golf on the DP World Tour, so he's not a name that a bunch of people are familiar with. I think he's going to surprise some people this week, T-Dub. I really like the Ryan Fox pick. I've had him a few times in some of my DraftKings lineups, and he uh, he can definitely make it to the weekend. He plays a lot of good golf. Just absolutely hits the ball an absolute mile. So I, I thought about picking Ryan Fox, but then Looking at the analytics, for whatever reason, uh, I've I'm, I'm not been high on Zalatoris uh, at least the last couple of weeks because I, I've had him out there a couple of times in my DraftKings, stuff like that, and I had him in the one-and-done Bay Hill, and he just has not been playing very well. So, no, I don't think that he'll get out of this group. For whatever reason, the analytics have Andrew Putnam as, as a 26% chance to move on. Just in contrast, uh, Ryan Fox is at 20%. Harris English is at 19%. Harris English, who finished second, Back at the uh, Arnold Palmer, has, besides that, really has not been playing particularly well. Has missed a lot of cuts. So, Woody, I'm going to go with my first off-the-wall pick. I'm going to take Andrew Putnam. Has been putting pretty well. Has only lost strokes game putting uh, over the course of the last year twice uh, in about 20 events. So, I think Putnam may be one of those guys you just don't want to see a match play. Going to make the putts get up and down from a lot of places. The analytics really like him. So, I'm going with Andrew Putnam. Well, let's really get this one going then because – I think it's funny. None of us want Zella Torres, but I'm going with Harrison Eng- or Harris English. <laughs> so hey. We're going like, we're going out of the box on that pod right there. That group of four, we're going to go out of the box. One of us is going to be a hero, but probably none of us because that goofball Will will probably play good this week. <laughs> well, I think that this is one of those groups of quote-unquote death that doesn't necessarily have the name brand or the name allure next to it, but I feel like this is going to be one of the harder groups to make it out of. And we mentioned you mentioned Harris English. I mentioned after Bay Hill where he made that clutch six-foot putt. I said that's a guy that I would want in match play that's able to make those putts since it's a Ryder Cup year. Uh, watch out for Harris English, even though he – got in a little bit of a slump. I still think that he has some minerals in match play as well. What was Harris English's match play record, T-Dub? Maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, one second. Let me get it right here. Harris English is 5-5 five and five in match play, 1-2 and two in this turn. Okay. All right. I mean, so not necessarily the greatest match play player, but I do like certain parts of his game. And when he's under the gun, like we saw at Bay Hill, he was able to, you know, come through and make the clutch putts that he needed to make. He really didn't blow that tournament like a, 
<clears throat> kind of like a Victor Hovland did. Uh, but, like I said, he's he's kind of been in a slump. So we're going Ryan Fox, Andrew Putnam, and Harris English, not going with Will Zalatoris in Group 7. All right, let's go to Group 8. Group 8 is our man Victor Hovland, Chris Kirk, Siwoo Kim, and Matt Kuchar, guys. Uh, Victor Hovland analytically only has a 30% chance to make it out of this group. Analytically, they're basically saying that this is the hardest group to make it out of. I don't think so. Give me Victor Hovland. I know he hasn't won yet uh, in the continental United States, but at the same time, he still is an elite ball striker, and if he can fairway and green you to death and make a few putts along the way and not really have to chip that much, if he's just absolutely striping it, he's going to make a run in this tournament. That's what I'm banking on, T-Dub. Would not shot me one bit of Victor Hovland started to find a little bit of form. But this, I do think this group is a little bit more wide open just because the guy who I'm picking is one of the best match play players of all time. And, and that's the four seed in this group, Matt Kuchar. I mean, he's just been absolutely unbelievable. He has a 35-18-5 record in match play, 16-5-4 at this course. Finished third back here in 2021, second in 2019. Has made the group stage uh, upwards, I believe, six times or so. Won this tournament back in 2013, wasn't at this same course. But uh, And even people say, well, he's missed his last two cuts, isn't on very good form. Well, when he finished third here in 2021, he was on very similar form to what he is right now. So, Woody, I just think Matt Kuchar is going to bring out that match play form that he has, and uh, I think he's going to move on to the, uh, to the uh, round of 16. Yeah, this is a tough bracket right here. This is one that, it, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Hobby because I've got to get this guy to win in the United States because I'm not voting Democrat, damn it. I've got <laughs> to get this okay. Well, I'm going to go with Javi here. Going with Victor Hava. Me and Woody got Javi versus the old man, Matt Kuchar. Uh, that's an interesting stat that you gave about his match play record. Give it one more time, T-Dub, because that was impressive. Oh. I did not know that. 35-18-5, and 16-5-4 wow. at Austin Country Club. Wow. Definitely the most experience in the tournament. I think that might go a long way in match play. That's a that's a great stat there, T-Dub. But it makes me a little nervous for Victor Hovland. But let's go ahead and get to group nine, where Colin Morikawa, Jason Day, Adams Finson, and Victor Perez are in group nine. Colin Morikawa has a 34% chance to win, uh, to make it through this pool and a 2.9% chance to win the golf tournament. But I don't think he makes it through that pool, T-Dub. Jason Day is playing the best golf that he has played since 2016. Ironically, in 2016, the Dell Technologies match play moved to Austin Country Club, and he won the first ever event here. I think it would be kind of fitting if he won the last event at Austin Country Club, and he like I said, is playing the best golf that he has played. Before the players, in his previous five events, he was gaining over a shot on the field, on the greens, per round. He's putting better than anybody on the PGA Tour. His short game is better than anybody on the PGA Tour recently. And that's why his finishes are tied for 19th at the players where he didn't even putt that well. And tied for 10th at Bay Hill. I mean, he finished tied for 9th in the elevated event at Riviera. He finished 5th at the elevated event in Phoenix. And he finished 7th at the Farmers and 18th at the American Express. The guy is sneakily 
still one of the best players on the PGA Tour. I think he slept on because he was the number one player in the world at one point, and people think he just fell off and now he's washed up. No, he's figured something out this year where he is going to win again on the PGA Tour this year. It's just a matter of when, not if. We're on the same page, Sam. I got Jason Day coming out of this group. He's a 24 and 15 match play record, 8 and 7 on this course, which is still uh, pretty good. But I will say, Woody, out of all the groups that we've talked about so far, I think this is probably the toughest. Obviously, Morikawa, such a world-class ball striker, but I think his putting will come back and haunt him a little bit. Uh, uh, Sam just broke down everything great. Uh, Jason Day, but Adam Svensson been playing great golf, was leading the players after uh, two rounds, ended up finishing tied for 13th. He has a 24th and a 9th in his last uh, four tournaments as well. Victor Perez won in, over in Abu Dhabi earlier in the year and has not missed a cut going all the way back to last October. So I don't know, Woody. I feel like that me and Sam are still on that Jason Day track, but this this group right here is pretty dang tough. It is a very tough group. How about this? How about when you look at these names? Let's not forget, I guess they have their name on their bag and they're on the PGA Tour because why? They can all play. We're That's sitting right. here throwing rocks at some of these dudes and on 18 given holes, I'm going to bet on, you can't pick a guy on 18, 18 given holes. So uh, as much as you guys bragged on Jason Day, how could you not go with it? Well, I'm going with Cole Amar I'm going Colin. I think <laughs> I, 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 listening to you two, I'm a dumb shit, but I'm okay with that. I've been done before, so I'm going with, I'm going with Morikawa. I think he's going to win that bracket. I will tell you this, Woody, and Colin Morikawa has thrown in some really solid tournaments, whether it be at the Hero or the Century or the Farmers, where he finished top six in all of those events and also had a tie for sixth at the Genesis and a tie for 13th at the Players. And so we act like Colin Morikawa is not playing great golf when he really is compared to the average tour player. He's just not playing up to the two-time major champion Colin Morikawa that we've seen. So maybe I'm falling victim to that, a little bit of that as well. But I do love the way that Jason Day is playing. I got to pick some upsets, so I don't think you're crazy for going with Colin Morikawa whatsoever. Okay, let's get to the next group. The next group is group 10, and that's Tony Finau, Kirk Kitayama, uh, Adrian Moronk, and C. Bezel, Christian Bezadenhut. Tony Finau has a 40.1% chance to make it out of this group, a 4% chance to win the golf tournament. I'm going Tony Finau. This course sets up well for longer hitters, and I know that Tony Finau struggles with the putter at times, and I would be curious, T-Dub, to hear his match play record, but he is by far and away the best player out of this group. I'm going Tony Finau. He is 7-7-2 seven, seven, and two in match play, 5-6-1. and one. On this course, I, like Tony, I, I think Tony Pino's a solid pick. He has been playing kind of like more Kawa. He's been playing pretty decently well, just hasn't been really necessarily at the, at the top of leaderboards as much. But as you said earlier, Sam, this course sets up for long hitters, and I'm going to pick a long hitter, a guy that won just a couple weeks ago, Kurt Kitayama. He doesn't have necessarily a whole lot of match play experience, but I think that he's going to play particularly well, and he's going to be my guy coming out, out of this group. But watch out for my man C. Bezel, great putter in match play. You don't you don't want to look you don't want to uh, face him on a regular basis. But I'm going to go with Kurt Kitayama, Woody. Uh, I agree. I think after winning the Bay Hill, he had a couple of weeks to let it soak in. Uh, he's partied. He got all that out of his way. He's ready to get back playing golf. I'm going with uh, Kitayama too. Wow. All right. I get Tony Finau. Okay. So in Group Eleven, we have 
Maddie Fitz, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Sahithi Gala, you have Minwoo Lee, and you have JJ Spawn. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick has a 29.7% chance to make it out of this group. The analytics really do not like Matthew Fitzpatrick this week for some reason, but I love Matthew Fitzpatrick anytime you give me match play. One, the hardest match play event to win, the hardest event as a whole to win, the U.S. amateur in the game of golf. And so, guys, I mean, anytime you get a guy that can absolutely roll the rock like him and keep putting pressure on you as a shorter hitter, on, I know he hits it farther than he used to, but he's still a shorter hitter on the PGA Tour, and he can just keep putting it within 10 to 20 feet on the greens and then rolling a few putts here and there. I like Matthew Fitzpatrick to make it out of that group, T-Dub. I think the reason the analytics are, are a little bit uh, not in favor of him is that in his six PGA tournaments this year uh, after the Century Tournament Champions, he's missed a cut four out of six of them, and only one time he's gained uh, strokes, gain approach to green. So he's not in his irons very good at all. And, and someone like J.J. Spawn, he's missed four out of his last five cuts. So, so I'm going a little bit on recent form, not picking those guys. Sahiti Gala shot, uh, I believe, like 80-something like that in his final round. As the players compared to the other guy, Minwoo Lee, who, who was uh, up at the lead and then kind of had a little bit of falter, but ended up still finishing sixth. So, once again, another guy who, who – a bomber who could play this course, Woody. Give me Minwoo Lee. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I get both those picks because Fitzpatrick can't keep playing this bad forever. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with Gala because I think he just saw Taylor Moore win, and it pissed him off because he thought he was the next up-and-coming stud, and it's going to be our boy Taylor Moore. So, he's pissed off, and he wants to play good, so I'm going with him out of that group. And Matthew Fitzpatrick has been, you know, hitting his irons bad. T-Dub's right on the money with that. However, he's only lost strokes on the greens three times since the BMW PGA Championship. So I'm still riding with him because he hasn't lost anything as far as his putting goes. And I think that's going to go a long way for him in match play this week. Let's go to group 12 where we have Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry, Taylor Montgomery and Mackenzie Hughes. This is a really interesting group because Speeth has yeah. been up and down this year. Shane Lowry obviously has some match play experience in Ryder Cups. And Taylor Montgomery, guys, who has a 24% chance to make it out of this group, is going to be my pick. He's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. Now, he's not a great iron player, but I feel like similar to Speeth, he might, you know, have some holes where he hits it to 40 feet and then cans the putt. And I I think that that could wear on an opponent. And I, I would love to see this Taylor Montgomery-Jordan Speed match because I feel like you might see some not great ball striking, but you're going to see some great short game. And in his last, I, I don't know, 20 events, he's only lost shots on the greens one time. Taylor Montgomery, give me the best putter of this group. I'm going Taylor Montgomery, a younger guy or a, a, a new guy. He's 28 years old, but a new guy on the PGA Tour that I feel like does have some star potential. He's just got to find a week where he hits the irons a little better than he has recently, T-Dub. My only question about Taylor Montgomery is, does he have any balls left after playing TBC Sawgrass? I mean, that's going to be my only question, if he's going to be able to play this tournament. So, hey, he did, he did I, make gonna, the cut and finish tied for 44th there. It's not like he finished DFL. No, but but he was in the top 10 going in, and he ended up finishing 40th. Remember, he had like that's five right. balls in the water that's right. on the last few holes. So, so But no, I, I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth out of this group. Very similar to a lot of guys I was talking about earlier. I think he's gearing up 
ready for Augusta. I think he's going to go. I thought about picking Shane Lowry, but he has a two seven and three record on this course, so maybe there's something about Austin Country Club he's not a big fan of. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes hasn't been playing particularly well at all. He finished 21st at the Century, but that was a very limited field. And since then, his best finish is a 50th. So, no, I'm not going to go with him. Chandler Montgomery would probably be my second pick, Woody, but uh, I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I agree. I'm going with Spieth on this group, too, because I think he just can pull so much out of his fanny. I'm I'm going with Spieth. Y'all are going with Spieth. I'm going with Montgomery. It surprises me a little bit that no one went with Shane Lowry, but it makes sense considering his match play record on this golf course, T-Dub. Great stat there. Uh, Group 13 is Sam Burns, Seamus Powers, uh, Adam Scott, and Adam Hadwin, two Adams out of the four guys in this Group 13. Sam Burns has a 29% chance to make it out of this group, Um, but I know that Adam Scott has had a great match play record in his career. Seamus Power is a guy that has definitely been playing some consistent golf on the PGA Tour, but I'm going Sam Burns for one reason, or really two reasons. He's a great putter, and he finally looked like he got things figured out at the Valspar. Now, I know it's a course that he absolutely loves. One there the two years before this year, finished solo sixth this year. Um, But guys, I mean, sometimes you just need to get on a course that you're comfortable with, you know, find something ball striking wise and gain some confidence. Sam Burns is one of the up and coming stars on the PGA Tour. He's just gone through a little bit of a slump, not necessarily playing terrible golf, but just playing some inconsistent golf recently. And I think that the recent form of him finishing solo six last week at the Valspar is going to do big things for him this week at the match play. Yeah, I think this group is uh, is is pretty strong in all honesty. I mean, as you mentioned, Sam Burns, I think he is the favorite from a lot of people. Seamus Power uh, got off to the, the start of this year really good. Kind of hasn't been playing particularly well since then. And, and, and Adam Hadwin, he's been off and on. Whenever he's on, he, he can play pretty well. He's finished 10th at Phoenix at 13th at the players, but I'm going to go with, with the guys that the analytics are actually favoring the least. Give me Adam Scott. I just feel like that, that is a guy who you do not want to play in match play and someone who I just feel like Austin Country Club, his game suits that course extremely well. And Woody has not missed a cut going all the way back to the PGA Championship at Southern Hill. So I've been playing pretty consistently in there. So I don't know. The analytics aren't high on him, but give me Adam Scott. Yep. I, I, I don't even do analytics, and I like Adam Scott. So uh, I'm going with Adam Scott, too. There you go. He's going Adam Scott right there in the next group in group 14, Terrell Hatton, Russell Henley, Lucas Herbert, and Ben Griffin. Terrell Hatton has a 36.6% chance to win the golf tournament. T-Dub, I'm going to be excited to hear his analytics and hear his match play record because Terrell Hatton has been the most consistent player in professional golf. Now, he hasn't won, but he hasn't missed a cut since the week after the U.S. Open, guys, and he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour and one of the best iron players and drivers of the golf ball on the PGA Tour. I would not be surprised if he got his attitude together a little bit. I'm not saying that it's a terrible thing to have that fire, but maybe just rein it in a little bit, kind of like we saw uh, John Rom do. I, I think that if he just did that, then he would be able to win major championships this year, guys. But it's a big ask of him. But he did finish second last time he teed it up at the Players' Championship. The time that he teed it up before that was the Arnold Palmer, where he finished tied for fourth. 
Terrell Hatton is by far the best player out of this group. Give me him to make it through to the round of 16. Yes, no, he's uh, he's definitely my favorite out of this group. One of my favorites to contend in the tournament. Hatton just playing extremely well. Eight, seven, and two record on this course. Has made the, uh, the round of 16 three of the last four years this tournament was held. So, I mean, you add on good good course history and good form, Woody, that's a recipe for success. So I am jumping on the Terrell Hatton bandwagon as well. I'll take him in this bracket or this pod, but I don't like him. Uh, so I won't be taking him in the next, but I'll take him in the <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys, we got two more groups here. Group 15, Cam Young, Sepp Straka, Corey Connors, and Davis Thompson. This is an interesting group to me because none of these guys have been playing extremely great golf recently. Obviously, Cam Young played awesome last year, was the rookie of the year on the PGA Tour. T-Dub, I didn't know what to do in this group, so I am going Corey Connors, and his recent form isn't great. He's one of the better iron players on the PGA Tour. I just went with some someone random in this group because Cam Young didn't sound like the right guy to me to come out of this group. I don't know. There's no analytics involved in my pick on this one. Oh, I'm on. I'm going with Corey Connors as well. He has a five and four record on, on this course, and so I seem like another a great iron player. That's something that would be pretty advantageous to match play. I, I would be shocked if Cam Young. Uh, plays well at all because he was playing. He finished tenth at the Arnold Palmer, and then he did finish fifty first at the Players. But I remember on Saturday he even got up into the to the top ten at one point. Just those last few holes, anything can happen to you. So wouldn't shock me if Cam Young made it one bit. But Woody, I am going with uh, Corey Connors as well. Uh, well. That's interesting, guys. So let's have really some fun in this one. I'm going to go with Seth Straka. Then I'm going to go with wow. him. Wow, our squares yep. guy, Seth Straka. Yep. There we go. There we go. Yep. All right, Woody is going Sepp Straka. I don't hate that pick. There's going to be some upsets in these groups. All right, the last group we got here, Sungjm uh, in Group 16. Sungjm, Tommy Fleetwood, JT Poston, and Maverick McNeely. Sungjay is your favorite at a 34.2% chance to make it through this group. But I am going Tommy Fleetwood, and we've seen Tommy play some better golf recently, finished tied for third last week at the Valspar. And, you know, if you still have that stupid song in your head, Tommy, 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 Fleetwood, right? I kept hearing it over and over again. That's why I ended up picking the Europeans in the last Ryder Cup. That was two Ryder Cups ago when they kept screaming that about Tommy Fleetwood. I was like, of course, Tommy Fleetwood's going to you know, win the Ryder Cup again this year. And they got smoked. However, I am going Tommy Fleetwood to win this group, T-Dub. And Sam, my last few picks have been exactly spot on. That absolutely worries me. So there's not a chance in hell some of these guys play good. But yeah, I really like Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's going to play really well. 8-7-2 and two record on this course in match play. Finish start at the Valspar, as you just alluded to. And, and has been hitting his irons particularly well and is it's up and down all the time, which is, once again, other match play component that you don't want. I will say something to look out for, though, besides Sungjae, is uh, JT Poston. He's been hitting his irons really, really well. Was one of the leaders in, in strokes gain approach last week at the Valspar. So it wouldn't shock me. if the, Really, the only one who would shock me out of this group would be Maverick, just because he had to withdraw a couple times earlier this year. And, and has made a couple cuts since then, but still hasn't shown any particularly great form. So uh, kind of a lot, little bit of an open pool here, Woody, but I'm taking Tommy. Well, I was going to go with Fleetwood until I heard that song. Um, yeah, now I'm not. <laughs> uh, and, 
steak tongue that's half as bad as what Sam did, I'm really not going with it. So I'm going with Sung J. <laughs> You're going with Sung J M Woody. Okay. We're going to hit a break here, and then after the break, we'll give our picks for the one-and-done this week at the Dell Technologies match play and recap a couple other things and then get out of here on this Tuesday on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. back rolling along here on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma go get all of your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. they're not only going to have full access at the live tulsa event at cedar ridge in may but they're also giving you weekly coverage of college golf whether it be oklahoma oklahoma state or every team around the big 12 here locally in oklahoma guys um Okay, so we kind of teased our one-and-done picks. This one's an interesting one for me, T-Dub. I'm going to let you go first and kind of base it off of what you think because I think Jason Day is going to play John Rahm in the finals. And I, I know that it's a it's a risk, and so I'm not necessarily going to pick Jason Day. I can't pick Jason Day. I already picked him in the one-and-done, um, but I wouldn't necessarily pick Jason Day to win the golf tournament just because he does have Colin Morikawa in that group. Um, I might go with someone someone else uh, that has a little better chance to make it out of his group and make it into the round of 16. Uh, but T-Dub, who are you going with as your one-and-done pick? As we alluded to in the first thing, man, I mean, it's just total crapshoot on what to do here in this match play format. But I'm going to try to ride the middle road, and I'm going to go with that extremely big name. We're going to throw out two guys that I think can make a decent run. Uh, my final match, I have Scotty Scheffler versus Terrell Hatton. I've already used Scheffler last uh, last week at the Players, and I still have Terrell Hatton left, so I'm going to pick Terrell Hatton as one of my one-and-done picks. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, I've been playing exceptionally well. Second, fourth, sixth, and seventh, and second. Uh, just a, a few finishes. He has a 40th and a 38th in, in between there. But, but yeah, still isn't missing cuts. He's just playing exceptionally well. As Woody alluded to, if he can just keep his, his temper uh, all right, then he's going to be okay. My second pick, guys, I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, that I don't want to sing Sam's song again because, as Woody said, it wasn't the uh, the most pleasing on the ears. But at the same time, playing well. The, the thing I'm worried about Tommy Fleetwood is that if he even if he does get out of his match, he's probably going to have to play Scotty Scheffler in the first round. So his limit of going far uh, could be hindered. But let's say for maybe something by the grace of God happens and Scotty Scheffler doesn't make it out of there, he may have an easier road 
um, um, to get there. So uh, I'm going to go with, with two guys. They're on the opposite end of the bracket, so I do have a chance of having them facing up in the finals, which is still slim. But, uh, Woody, those are going to be my two one-and-done picks. Yeah, I like them. I like them. I, I, one of my one-and-dones has got to be speed, believe it or not. And, and why, I don't know. He drives me crazy the way he plays golf now. But he just has that uncanny ability to just come out of nowhere, okay? And he does it all the time. It just seems crazy how he can figure out how to get the ball in the hole. Uh, the other one is is one of your guys, especially Sam's, uh, Xander Shoffley. I think uh, I think that's going to be your final match is Shoffley against Speed. So those are my two one and done right there. Very interesting, guys. Um, God, I I hate that we have to pick two guys from this event because it is such a crapshoot. One of the guys that I was definitely going to go with is Terrell Hatton, and T-Dub just picked him, stole my thunder a little bit, but I love the way he's been hitting his irons and one of the best putters on the PGA Tour, one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour. Hadn't missed a cut uh, since the week after the U.S. Open last year. That's an obvious pick to me in this event for the one-and-done because I don't want to go with a guy that I think can win a major, but I do think that he can win this week. Now, the second pick... I kind of want to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick, but he is in the same region of the bracket that Terrell Hatton is in. They would face each other at one point. Um, so, I mean, should I hedge my bets and go with Matthew Fitzpatrick and hope that either Hatton or Fitzpatrick make it out of that region into the Final Four? I think that's what I'm going to do because I don't think Matty Fitz is going to win a major this year, but I do think that he can contend in this golf tournament. Give me Terrell Hatton and Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm hedging my bets a little bit. I know I'm picking two guys out of the same region, but I don't care. I'm going Terrell Hatton and Matthew Fitzpatrick, T Dub. Well, and there we we have to we have to change something, guys. We we do have an error in the rules. Woody tried to use Xander Shoffley this week, and Woody has used Xander Shoffley back at uh, the uh, Genesis at Riviera. So Woody oh, tried wow. to do a two and done format. <laughs> no, we're not playing two and done. We got to do one and done, Woody. So one uh, we got here, another pick. You uh, you know you're right. I forgot I had did pick him. Oh, doggone. I got to keep better check of my records here. Um, well, then, gosh, now you guys are forcing me to pick somebody I just don't want to pick, but I know I need to pick him because of what you guys have been talking about. I'm going with Terrell Hatton, man. Speak against Hatton in the finals. Speak against You have Hatton. not used Hatton, Woody, so, so you are still on the one-and-done track. Remember that, Woody, one-and-done. Done. <laughs> Two and done. <laughs> That dummit, yeah, so I would, you know, I would want to use Spieth later in the year, but I'm going to use him now because uh, he's in Texas. He lives in Texas. <laughs> Beautiful stuff there, guys. The Dell Technologies match play kicking off tomorrow on Wednesday all the way through Sunday. And all right, it's time to get to a couple more things. Then we'll get out of here on this Tuesday. But it was reported by the Golf Channel's Todd Lewis that Rory drove the ball extremely well uh, during a two-day scouting mission, quote-unquote, to Augusta National last week and still has the stealth to head. And we've heard a lot about Rory McIlroy possibly changing equipment before Augusta. And Todd Lewis is saying that that equipment change, the main equipment change, was the driver's shaft. Uh, 
T-Dub, what do you make out of this? I mean, I I feel like when the Golf Channel doesn't have any positive Rory publicity, they just make stuff up. And, and I don't really care that Rory McIlroy, I don't care if he shot 59 in a practice round at Augusta National. It just doesn't do anything for me. And, and I don't really understand this whole uh, equipment change with Rory either. It, it, it seems kind of like something's going on between him and TaylorMade that they're just not telling us, T-Dub. Yeah, that's 100% what's going on. I mean, there's even been some more rumors, not, nothing confirmed yet, that he's – I mean, he's made a serious equipment change is what they're saying. Still hasn't been any worries about that. I mean, I, I would be shocked if he uh, showed up at uh, at the Genesis – or not at the Genesis, at the Matchway with, with different clubs and he'd be using – at at, uh, at the Masters, and I'm seeing here just on Twitter, looks like Rory is using a Scotty Cameron Newport putter uh, at this week at the Max Play. So maybe that is one of the changes they were talking about as well. But uh, but yeah, Woody, there's definitely something else going on there. You can tell Rory's not happy with it, and uh, maybe he'll try to potentially buy out of his contract if that's an opportunity. Maybe go to to some d- different brand. That kind of seems like the road that it's heading down. It could be. You know, you just don't know. They 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 go in such. Uh, waves to speak of but where they just get so down on something i i hope rory gets it together i um i still like him at the masters i really do guys i've, I've stayed to that from the get-go and uh i know sam doesn't so uh it, we could have some controversy there that'd be fun <laughs> but uh, i'm gonna be looking to see how rory does strike that driver this week if he hits it anywhere close to the planet earth and maybe gets a good attitude adjustment um you know taylor may doesn't need rory mcelroy unhappy with his driver that is not good for the company so uh i'm sure they'll come up with something Uh, good week to watch so in you guys no doubt about it. And if you're a little bit confused or didn't hear one of our previous shows, Rory McIlroy, we broke down. Go back to the players show where we broke down where Rory McIlroy was upset that his driver possibly wouldn't pass uh, you know, the CT test and he had to change to the newer version of the TaylorMade driver. I think it's in his contract that he has to hit the newer version of the TaylorMade driver and he likes the older one and he's upset with TaylorMade to kind of sum up that situation what I think is going on right now but it would be very interesting to see a guy like Rory McIlroy one of the top three favorites for the Masters this year change equipment just a couple weeks before Augusta I think that that would be a shocking turn of events here Um, but it's going to be an interesting story to follow it's a big that the equipment change is a big deal I don't think how he drove the ball in a practice round at Augusta National is a big deal Uh, so just to make that clear. Uh, One more story in the game of golf that we saw, guys. Webb Simpson and Paul Tesori have broken up after a great run on the PGA Tour. They played Ryder Cups, President's Cups. They won a major championship, uh, a a TPC win, and a career high of fourth in the OWGR. Just a great run between two of the most well-liked guys on the PGA Tour. Paul Tesori, just a legendary caddy, and he is going to work for Cameron Young, who also played at Wake Forest and is a good friend of Webb Simpson. So I think it's this is not a dirty breakup whatsoever. I feel like Webb's getting a little older, and he's allowing Paul Tesori to go to one of these young studs on the PGA Tour. I actually think it's a pretty cool move by Webb Simpson uh, to let Paul Tesori go do that. I mean, they, they have been a player-caddy relationship for 12 years. I mean, they've been together 
forever. And to what you're saying, Sam, for all the story you've been with guys like DJ Singh, Sean O'Hare, Jerry Kelly, Chris Couch, just to name uh, a few of them. So now he's going from Webb Simpson to Cameron Young. I think it's a, a, a great move for him. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. With him and Webb have had a tremendous career, as you alluded to, the major championship, the, the different rider and president's cups they had. And, and Webb may not have the best-looking swing ever, but he was one hell of a player, especially, and even still has, as we saw last week, some some glimpses of some good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think this is one, just like Sam said, Woody, just, it's kind of best for both parties, no ill will here or there. And uh, Paul Satori is probably going to go make uh, even more money than he thought he could make now with these elevated events and Cam Young. Totally get this. Uh, a little bit, we've seen, how about Bubba with Ted Scott, you know, and where he end up? Probably a pretty good deal going to check Scotty Sheffield, don't you think? So, um, I think that when these guys get a certain age, they know that it's time to, if that caddy still wants to, you know, work for a number of, say, 10 more years, give them a chance to go somebody that's a young, upcoming buck. So, uh, I like it. It shows a class on both these guys, and uh, good luck to them both. I, I think, I think, you know, Webb will find a caddy. That's not a big deal for Webb anymore. And the chance for Cameron Young to get a good, solid caddy, that that could make a big difference in his uh, future. No doubt about it, guys. Uh, the last story in the game of golf, this is kind of cool and kind of shows how Augusta National is trying to appeal to the younger generation the EA Sports video game. We talked a lot about Tiger Woods' video game uh, along with 2K. The EA Sports video game that's along with both. The PGA Tour is partners of both. Uh, Tiger has a stake in the 2K video game, but this is not that. This is Jordan Spieth and the PGA Tour and EA Sports and the Masters uh, are all in conjunction with this new EA Sports video game that's set to be released on April 5th at 7 p.m. And when they release that game, guys, they are going to have a celebrity event where they are going to play on the Sunday before the Masters that evening. Uh, I, I think it's on April 2nd, and then they're going to air this on Wednesday, April 5th uh, on ESPN Plus, guys. Uh, but anyway, so they're going to have celebrities, and Rich Lerner is going to host this, uh, and they're going to go to the media center at Augusta National, and obviously, you know, hearing from my dad who works in the media center of Augusta National every year, they have these giant big screen TVs, and these celebrities are going to play each other on this new Masters EA Sports Jordan Speed video game. I think it's a pretty cool thing that Augusta National is doing, something that I wouldn't ex have expected them to do in the past. And I think that their key reason for this video game is to appeal to the younger generation, whereas Tiger's video game uh, clearly bombed because it was a over $100 and it was the exact same video game uh, just with Tiger Woods put in it. And a lot of people did not like that. They thought it was a money grab by 2K and Tiger Woods. A, a lot of people are expecting this EA Sports game to be a little bit better than even Tiger's version of uh, the 2K PGA Tour video game, T-Dub. And so uh, all good signs, of course, According to uh, you know the public and what Augusta National is trying to put out there, T Dub. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this game looks like. Um, I, I can understand why they're trying to do the uh, you know get the celebrities to play it. That's going to appeal to a lot of people. Not going to necessarily appeal to me. I would rather pl either play the game myself or or, or just uh, maybe get more in depth into it in that sense. But no, I, I'm not going to go out and, and watch. I want to see 
how the character customization is, all that stuff, and exactly how detailed the course is. And you talked about money grabs earlier, and yeah, that's kind of what 2K, at least it seemed like to do, but but EA has a, has a vast history of doing that too in the gaming industry, so that's wouldn't right. be shocked if they try to do Whether some things. Madden, but I, yeah, you're exactly right. So, I mean, if we can, but once you have the elite golf courses on there, because a lot of the courses on 2K, people had to build themselves in the custom course creator, which is an absolutely awesome thing. But you get absolutely Augusta National, Southern Hills, all the official major championships. I, I feel like it's going to be great. I just want to see, I want to know what Woody would shoot at Augusta National on the EA Sports video game. That was my number one question. Would, Woody, would you shoot lower on the video game or would you shoot lower in real life right now? Oh, there's not a doubt. I shoot better in real life. I mean, <laughs> shoot. I mean, you guys. Uh, the only I don't play video games. You guys know that. So you're I know. Making fun of me again. What what what's fun though is how Augusta is adapting. You know, I never would have thought dude perfect would get to go out to Augusta National and hit basketballs and tennis balls and all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, so Augusta Augusta is. Um, how we say letting the future come and not just turning it off. You know what I mean? So no doubt. I think it is cool. I think it's great. Um, I, will I watch uh, the video game? Uh, no. Uh, do I give one rat's ass about the video game? No. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm listening to you guys, and I think it's cool. If you want to do it, I'm out. Well, and that's the thing. They're trying to appeal to the younger generation. Some of the stuff I don't like, some of the stuff I do like. This is one of the things that I do like, and it's going to be called the Road to the Masters Invitational. It's a private event, and tickets are not on sale. The audience will be uh, partially the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Augusta and the First Tee of Augusta, so that's a cool experience for those kids as well. the expected guests also include the winners of the 2023 Drive Chip and Putt National Finals, which is obviously at Augusta National, the 2022 Asia Pacific Amateur Champion Harrison Crow, the 2023 Latin America Amateur Champion Matteo Fernandez de Oliveira, and then uh, and the competitors from the 2023 National Women's Amateur. And then obviously we don't know who the celebrities are yet, but I'm sure we'll find out here in the coming days. But I thought that was a very cool story. Guys, T-Dub, did I miss anything today in the game of golf? Obviously, we'll be back later in the week. If something happens, we'll bring it up with our special guest. But I don't think we missed much today, T-Dub. No, no, we, we've covered a lot, especially with the match play, breaking it down. We did have, have some stuff come out from, from Alan Shipnuck on the, the Fire Pit Collective about some lift stuff. We'll get into that next show because we might might dive into that a little bit extensive or maybe even next week. We'll get into that stuff. But as for this week and the match play, I think we broke it down pretty well. I'm just uh, – my question is, is my bracket going to be torn up on Wednesday or Thursday? Because I don't see it making much further than that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I don't see mine making it much farther either considering how my NCAA tournament bracket went. Guys, definitely go subscribe on Spotify and hit that follow button on Apple Podcasts. We're also on the sportsanimal.com and – golfoklahoma.org as always so you can catch us anywhere you could possibly find your podcast and then also follow us on twitter at the 73rd hole and instagram at 73rd hole guys thank you to t-dub and woody this has been sam humphreys here on oklahoma's leader in golf the 73rd hole